Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get the opportunity to speak to some incredible people from around the world, incredible leaders who are at the very top end of their game and having some wonderful conversations around their leadership philosophy on human-centered leadership. And today's guest is no less. Uh, Today's guest is all the way from America. Now, Subash is an incredible individual. I only met him on LinkedIn uh, about a week or so ago. Uh, And Subash is technically, uh, or, you know, if we want to do it accurate, he's a CEO of a company called Agora Edge, but he describes himself as just one of the guys. In fact, his business card doesn't have any title. I really like the idea of that. Subash came to the United States from Gujarat in India in 1970 um, as an engineer, and he worked in some large organizations, but he felt that there was so much bureaucracy in large organizations. So he looked for medium-sized organizations where relationship building was really at the heart of everything that they do. Uh, But in 1985, the opportunity of a lifetime came by, and he jumped in with both feet. An opportunity came to buy a leather manufacture company. Now, this guy's an engineer, so he got into leather. How strange is that? But he got in there, started with two people, and now his organization has 300 people occupying 3,000 square feet with factories in Taiwan and Shenzhen. Uh, He supplies now more than just leather. He's into medical uh, supplies around synthetics. And he also does fire safety. In fact, they changed the name of this organization from Agora to Agora Edge because he says they provide the edge to their customers. I really like that. Hey, Savage, good to see you and welcome to the podcast. Nice meeting you, Claude. Ah, it's great to see you. What's the weather like over in the United States right now? Warm. Uh, <laughs> outside is warmer now. Maybe uh, upper 90s, but you know, we get used to it. Yeah, I mean, you guys are used to warm weather. We here today is 30 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit here in the UK. And this is hot for the United Kingdom. So everybody is like hiding inside right now. But you guys will be like, hey, this is nothing. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) Good to have you on the program. (laughs) So Subash, I mean, I came across you only like a week or so ago when somebody mentioned you on on one of my posts. And I thought, I really need to check out uh, Subash. So you're 73 years old, but I'm talking to you uh, just before we started. You're full of such energy and passion for what you do. Tell me what it is that drives you on a day-to-day basis. I guess since I started the business, I want to make sure that all our employees are kept with us, you know, and get paid. So it's very important for me to be engaged. And I also like being an engineer. We do all custom work. So it's always something new which might be a new technology, new machine I need to buy. And that just keeps me going. And I work, I've been trying to get young people in the company 
they have a lot more uh, to offer than I do. I mean, they're pretty savvy with the knowledge, uh, more computer, computer literate, which I'm not. So it's, 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 I, I'm, I'm enjoying myself learning from there, you know. And so with that, I allow them to kind of shine, uh, kind of keep a tab of what, what's happening. But so that has happened. We got a guy here, he's from uh, India as well in IT. I mean, he is self-made and we have so much, we're so advanced, I feel, for a company our size uh, in our IT that uh, when, when our large customers come over here, they see what we have to in the factory as well as our cell phone. They get that amazed, you know. So I think that because, but he's self-made, I said, okay, you can, whatever you need, I give it to you. So that's what I've done with the people who have the ability to, to flourish. I've been enabler. I've been giving them what they want. And I think after that, it's up to them. And we have some really shining star in this company. I mean, we have so many of them in different areas. It's, it's unbelievable. Sometimes I wonder how we are quite together, you know. <laughs> But it's working. Yeah, we have a really great team. That's incredible. I mean, there's so much I need to just unpack within there. Uh, so when you talk about that, you give the example of this guy from India who's self-made. Do you mean that he's he's taught himself? As a matter of fact, when he is actually engineer as well, he came right out of school from USF. And uh, we were installing a new software in our company. And uh, he said that, uh, can, I, can I be part of it? I said, sure. And he liked that. Then he said, uh, there was a, I think it was a... Uh, Windows 95 is a big book, very expensive, maybe in those days, hundreds of dollars. So can I buy that? I said, sure, you know, what are you going to do with it? He said, well, I'm going to read it and see what I can learn. And so that's what he did. And then after that, he slowly, I mean, it's amazing. I, I, we have the customer FedEx, right? What happened is uh, FedEx, I used to ship FedEx, what we made in the warehouse. They said, Dubas, can you, can you, just direct ship to our locations all over the world. I said, sure. I never said no, by the way. <laughs> so I came back. I said, uh, what are you going to do? He said, well, you got to have a, go to a, a, it'd be an EDI order. You got to have somebody to give you the order. So I came back. I said, Raghu, I said, I like the idea of doing it, but I don't like to pay somebody every month. He said, well, give me a week. So he actually come up with a, uh, software where, you know, he goes, our, our computer goes to FedEx, we have, we have a mailbox there, he retrieves the orders, we, 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 we print them at shipping, we ship it, invoice electronically, we get paid electronically. It's all done by him. That was the, one of the first big things he did, you know, in, in you know, automating a place. So FedEx, when they have a new software they wanted to develop, they always have Agora in St. Petersburg do the first testing. That's incredible. So, so you, so what you're saying there is that you had this faith and trust in this guy who had the passion to do something, even though he didn't have the qualifications. There's a lot to be said within that. And what drew you to Raghu? Because, you know, any other employee would say, well, you haven't got this qualification, you haven't got this qualification, but you believed in him. What, what was it about Raghu that made you believe in him? So when he was, uh, came with me, you know, I was single, right? So I spent time with him on a Saturday. And we go to lunch and I talk to him. And I see he's, he's, he wants to work harder than normal. You know, every Saturday will come in, you know, he will work and then we'll lunch. I saw that he's going to continue to kind of. Then I gave him a job. You know, a job was to, uh, you know, hang uh, some, uh, each, we, had a, we used to have cutting dies. I wanted him to write down each cutting down which job it goes to. He single handedly, did that for three months when he was uh, 
you know, in a, in, internal with me. I said, wow, this guy is it's good because, you know, he, 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 he finished up. I mean, it was a huge job. Wow. I mean, you know, he just did every single one. And he had to get up on a ladder, get the dice from the top, do the work. And then he then started working. And I said, well, he, he has a passion for learning and knowing new stuff. That was the trick. I said, well, I'm going to give him one. And, you know, they often say that when you, when you meet somebody with passion, it is that passion is so infectious. And you feel the energy from that. I'm guessing that's what we're talking about here. So, I mean, but you also have a passion and, you know, I've only met you a few minutes ago and I felt your passion straight away, which is great, right? Um, but tell me something about yourself in terms of when I asked you for your title, I said, I'm guessing that you're CEO and you said, hey, well, I guess I am a CEO, but you know what? I'm just one of the guys. Talk to me about why titles aren't important for you or inside your organization. What, what, what is it that causes you not to have this title? Well, like I said, I don't have a title and my, my card doesn't have a title. I don't believe in titles. So I would say we are a very flat organization. People know what they need to do. People know who they work with, but there is no titles. I mean, nowadays, I guess, I guess, some people, you know, when they go overseas, you know, they need to have a title. So we're giving some titles to people who need to have a title. But over here, that doesn't make any difference. Like a pandemic time, right? You know, where we, were all, we all came to work. We were actually very busy. And so what we did, the, the salary people went to for about, what, two or three hours every day to have the factory. No title. Everybody was working together. So that gave us even better culture than we had before because now we had... And we couldn't go anywhere, so we're spending more time with it. So that even built a culture stronger. So pandemic was a boon to this company. It's unbelievable. It sounds weird, but it is true. I mean, we had it. I mean, we have it. We always had a good culture. It's better now. I love this, Subhash. I mean, <laughs> this is what uh, my passion is. My passion is, uh, you know, to create cultures that we're talking about right now. Uh, so. Having an organization where things happen, things work, but people aren't hiding behind ranks, behind status. You know, you can see here that I've got some hats up there. Now, you might not recognize those, but these are police hats. These were my police hats. And up here, just here, that this is all my ranks that I had in the police service. Uh, and everybody had a rank. Everybody had a title. And we used to hide behind those titles. And I see this in so many organizations where in hierarchical organization, that title, that rank, that status that you have, it's very easy to hide behind that. But sometimes it also creates barriers between the various levels, but you're describing your organization as being a very flat organization. So I'm guessing that somebody from the ground floor could access you and speak to you if they wanted, or do they have to go through various people? No, 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 but the thing is, like, for example, I walk the floor every day, and uh, new employee, I greet him, you know, I tell him, I'm so bad. I never tell him who I am. <laughs> a lot of people don't know yet. But uh, what I do is I think that, you know, anybody has a problem, you know, and all our people, supervisors, everybody knows that. One of the things we must do is uh, whatever the question have, we have to answer it. If you cannot do what they want, that's still okay. And you tell them why, but you must answer it. So I think that uh, most of the time people get answered. But if I'm walking, we are nice here. Sometimes the people are working late and they can ask me, then I'll doubt, you know. If they want to talk to me personally, because then I say, okay, come on in and we talk. 
So it's not, no, it's not, and nobody gets upset because, hey, why so-and-so is in my office? Because, you know, we don't have that, really. We really have, you know, it works. People know that there's a supervisor, you know, I mean, they'll give you the work. So, I mean, it's not like a, but at the same time, even supervisor, they work with them. So they know, I mean, they, we all work. We all work. I love your philosophy. I mean, I had a very similar philosophy when I was heading up four or 500 uh, people in departments. I used to take an hour out in the morning and an hour out in the afternoon just to go and walk and meet my staff and have conversations, find out what their children were doing, what their hobbies were and what was going on at home, all of these kind of conversations. Uh, but it's it's very good when the, the when the head of the, the organization or the head of the team is doing that. But it also depends on what who else is doing that amongst your your leadership team. So how do you how do you ensure that this culture that you're creating is actually driven also by your supervisors, your managers, and your leaders uh, in the organization? What what are you doing to get them all on board? So this, uh, of course, you know we have a, a meeting with uh, like a strategic meeting. You know, I you know we emphasize we talk about what are, what what we believe in, what what is the goal, and why we want to be who we are, right? And we talk about that. And every single person is approachable by anybody. Since we, we our product starts the new product, so the new design team is like, a, uh, we have industrial designers and mechanical engineers. They have to work with the people. So they, you know, they're approachable. When they make a new product, I mean, you know, there's a problem. They have to go back and ask them, you know, and it doesn't have to go through a uh, plant manager or anything. You know, they have a question on the floor. They can say, hey, we, I can't put this together, with, you know, then they show it to them. So none of them is unapproachable. You know, and it's the way it is. I mean, like, and all of them, like I said, they are their own boss. I mean, we have meetings, but it's not like, you know, it, it, it's really very, very casual, but at the same time, we get things done because we have, we want to get things done because we believe customer is number one. So, we, you know, we, we have schedules. So, hey guys, what are you? And then, but nothing like, we don't keep, we don't have a project manager and stuff like that. We, I don't believe in that. We are nobody in the front of So it's not about process for you. It's not about driving a process. It really is about enthusing people to want to do the right thing, right? Yes. So, I mean, this is really a healthy culture from everything that you're describing here. But you don't achieve that kind of a culture overnight. And here's a, here's a test. You know, I very often go into organizations and I'll speak to their senior leaders and say, look, I think culture is very important. And, you know, I can teach you, your leaders, your teams, how to develop that culture. And they'll say, well, yeah, but how does that affect my bottom line call? That's all I'm interested. How does it affect the profit margins? Uh, but you're, you've looked at it the other way around, haven't you? You've, you've said my culture has to be right. The values of the organization are right. The mission statement has to be right. Everybody has to be on board. So I'm guessing that when you recruit people, one of the things that you're looking for is, Will they fit into my organization? Will they have a shared value and a shared passion? How do you measure that? Well, I don't measure it, but it's, you know, if they don't fit, because see, we have, a, uh, we have about 16 or 17 nationalities. A lot of people can't speak English as well. So it's, we have to be tolerant so people mm -hmm. know that, you know what I mean? And if somebody has any type of issue with that, they don't even last. Right. You know, like, you know, Right, so but somebody who is over here is always somebody speaks their language with us. So they, they they kind of work it out themselves, you know. But if it comes to some other group, I think we get involved to make sure that you know they, they, that they are okay with that. So I think that we, we yeah. So it, it's like a 
But each one of God, they come back with some amazing things we don't have. When I first started the business with some people from Cambodia, and uh, they were refugees, and uh, one contract I had where I had to uh, make a rope handle, you know what I mean? But it had to be threaded almost like a, like, you know, braiding type thing. <laughs> I designed it, didn't know, right? So there was the one guy who used to be a farmer in, you know, over there in Cambodia, and he knew exactly how to braid a rope. That's incredible. So, you know, we had like a order for like 10,000 pieces, you know, and he, you know, he, he, he did every single one of them. So, I mean, how can somebody, yeah, because I mean, threading is, I mean, rope is not, very unusual, right? So, 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 but having all this diversity, I mean, it's helped this company because, I mean, we have talent from, I mean, you know, because they did that before, they know how to do it, and all of a sudden, we were answered within our company, which is, I think, is very exciting, you know, but, you know, they can be able to, and that's why we said that if it was easy, everybody would do it. When it's kind difficult, that's what Bona Bora has to be there. So, we are the people who will tackle anything. Something we've done or not done, we have people who will tackle it. <laughs> That's why our customers love us. <laughs> yeah, because they, I said, I tell, yeah. yeah. If everybody's easy, anybody can do it. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, what you're, what you're showing there is that question that senior leaders very often ask me and say, wait, how does this affect my bottom line? You're, you're saying, well, this is how it affects your bottom line. Your customers are happier. Your, your, your staff are happier. And I guess one of the measures... Uh, across the world that people are measuring right now is this uh, the, the the amount of retention or turnover that they're experiencing and you know there's talk of this great resignation uh, where more, more organizations are experiencing staff turnover staff are leaving organizations where they don't feel happy valued appreciated and they'll go to another organization it's happening more than it's ever happened before what's a staff turnover like at uh, Agora Edge. Currently, I think, you know, as you know, the pandemic has kind of turned things over. So I think that, uh, and, and so mm. the turnover we would have is uh, a person would come in and maybe, maybe in a few days, it doesn't work out because whatever they like. But the people, we are people 25 years over here, you know, so I mean, it's like a, wow. yeah, you know, because currently, you know, uh, the subsidies for the government, it's been a little difficult for all the businesses. But at the same time, our people who are with us are stepping up, you know, so we are actually producing more with less people than we did a couple of years ago. So, I mean, that tells you, you know, so we're stepping up, yeah. But so I think that because the people who are here, they know, and uh, we also, uh, being engineers, we're automating. I mean, so we have a lot of things we do, I mean, you know, uh, which, which helps this company to just continue, even with all kinds of pressures from outside, you know. What we often get... The kind of people listening to this podcast are people who are leaders within their own right, maybe sitting in organizations, maybe running their own businesses, and they're looking for someone, they're looking for uh, uh, nuggets of gold, some wisdom from experienced leaders who are getting it right. If there were some, some you know, top four or five tips that you would have that any other leader could take away from you to run a, a, an efficient, a happy uh, workforce, a productive workforce, what would they be? What are the top four or five things that are really important to you as a leader? Well, I think the first of all, like I said, I like that when people think that this company has, a, you know, the favorite story, well, I tell everybody that's listening, you have a job, I have a job. 
if I don't do job, my job you can fire me. So I, that's exactly what I call them, you know, because I, I think I do my job, otherwise I don't belong here. So the new people, unless they see the culture in place for a while, they don't know that, right? And we also we also yeah. work hard, like I said, you know, I mean, I work every Saturday myself. However, we have also find time to enjoy. So we you know we have a, like every month, you know, we have a, a, some treat for the people. Like, you know, when we, you know, every two, three months, we said, okay, we had a pretty good one, that's our pizza. We just try to rock, get the people involved into other than, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, just work. And uh, it's a lot of nationalities, you know, they, they, they want to celebrate their, uh, the day, the national or religious day, okay, no problem. You know, they can all get together outside or inside. You know, and eat together, and that's fine. You no, know? so I think things like that we allow, we allow all that. So we have when you work, you gotta have a, some time to kind of relax. You know, and but you know, so that that's one thing we do do, and uh, we we have Christmas party is a, a company affair. You know, I mean, and uh, they love it, and so and we also take a management. You know, like we just went to. Um, uh, 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 Disney World, I think, you know, we took everybody over there and, you know, work weekend, work weekend, you know, and no work and there. So we try to do things like that. And we also celebrate, you know, like, like you know, I, I, all these people, I said, everybody says why they don't want to work. I said, well, I got a lot of people working. I want, I want to ask them why they want to work here. So I've been asking uh, employees and every Tuesday I put out a memo. I say, okay, why do you why do you work here? What do you like about it? And they all they all tell me different stuff. And and one of the you know one of the main thing that comes out they they love to get together Christmas time. They love the company treats them and uh, you know stuff like that. And and uh, and supervisor is good. So that tells me you know that you know the people do appreciate working, but they still want a little time out. They don't want to just keep working. You know, I was I was having this conversation. What I'm loving about what you're saying it also talks about some of the old companies from my childhood uh, where they used to, uh, where you used to have employees that would work there for 20, 30, 40 years because they felt they were part of something. I was talking to my father-in-law. My father-in-law worked in Pirelli, the tire manufacturers, Pirelli. My own dad worked in another tire manufacturer's Goodyear's. uh, And they would both tell me, you know what, every single Christmas... Uh, the company would give us a token, one token for each child. Uh, the child would bring that token into the company. They'd open the company up, the company headquarters for one day, and there'd be a huge hall full of toys. And you'd go in and you exchange your token for a toy. Uh, and the, another coat token would be to take your whole family to the theatre to watch a pantomime, which is big in the UK. We love pantomimes in the UK, particularly around Christmas. So... There aren't many companies that do this kind of stuff. And actually what you're doing is, is quite an old-fashioned kind of thing to do. And I think a lot of companies have pro- focused more on process and efficiency and streamlining, but you're focusing more on people, which is, I think, um, you know, is incredible that you're doing that. And the proof of the pudding is in the results that you're getting. Your business continues to grow. Your staff are happy. Your customers are happy. What more does one need, right? I think one other thing we have to do, which I do, you know, is uh, uh, if, if, the, if the person has a problem doing his job, it's our job to make sure he make it easy, I think. So that's another thing we do, so that, you know, we're constantly looking for somebody struggling for something. 
we want to find a way to fix it because that somebody might not want the company, right? Because you know, they're working hard, but you know, there's an easier way and we're making them, we don't see that. So I think it's, it's our responsibility as a management to, to, to notice that, you know, that this guy is working hard, you know, what we can do to help him. So I think you really have to think like that to be able to, you know, see that. So you have to, culture has to think like that. Hey, why this guy is, you know, working so hard or he's struggling to do something, maybe just bring and just let me help him out, which we do that. Some supervisor just works out. Yeah, because it could be quite easy for you to look at that employee and say, hey, they're being lazy, they're not performing, rather than understand why it is that they're not performing. Exactly. It's an underlying reason. It's always a reason underlying, you know. Because most people come to work because they want to work. Yeah. Most people work. I mean, oh, you might find occasionally people don't want to work, but they come to work. Why they are not doing this, it could be maybe have something they have a problem at home. There's something they're bringing it over there which we can try to help them solve that or make it easy on them, I think then they'll do more for you. So. You, you know what, Sebastian, I'm listening to you and thinking, I want to work in your organization. I just think it's uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's unique. It's unique in so many ways. A lot of organizations play at this. You know, they will do things just to look good. Some organizations absolutely believe in uh, the whole aspect, uh, issue of creating the right kind of culture for their employees and being really, truly, what this title is, human-centered leaders. And that's exactly what you are. But here, I just want to focus in on you. You're 73 now. And looking at you and listening to you, uh, you've got so much energy. You're enjoying it. The passion is coming out, oozing out, really. Uh, what's the future like for you? What, you know, are you going to keep going and going and you just enjoy the journey? <laughs> How do you keep yourself energized? What's the secret? Of course, my uh, <laughs> I, I, I definitely uh, want to continue, you know, working, you know, and I hope that as long as I can, I will, you know, and uh, because I, and also I'm also trying to develop people around me as well, so that you know they have a chance to see how to look at things and how to do better themselves. So I think that's a that's one thing I'm doing now, you know, because uh, I'm traveling less now than before, uh, so it gives me more time. I'm here more. So I'm taking advantage of that to see how I can make somebody better. You know, I want to go on and improve people's lives, you know, myself. Because, I mean, I'm good. I'm very fortunate to be doing well in life and how I can make other people, you know, have a better life than they have now. So that's my goal, you know. That's why I keep working. I also have to get the company continue to grow to be able to afford that. So naturally, you know, we're very passionate about making sure that we continue to grow have capabilities in a company so that they can have option to get better, you know. But at the end, though, we definitely want to help them so they can have a better life. That's for sure. Incredible. So uh, the, the other final question really is, how do you keep yourself looking and feeling and acting so young? There's a secret. Are you taking some supplement? Or what is it? Are you sleeping eight hours, ten hours a day? <laughs> what is your secret to life? No, no, no secret. I mean, I, I do walk. Uh, you know, every day, I try to walk 10,000 steps. You know, I've been starting to do that for the last few years now. And uh, eat everything, you know. I mean, I, you know, I know thing I, I don't have anything I don't do. And uh, I do get started with eight hours sleep for sure, you know. And I don't get started in the morning as quickly as I did before. I used to come to work at maybe 6.30, 7 o'clock, work till 7. I come to work about 9, 9.30, and about 6.30, I'm out here, you know. 
Instead, I go to work, but I will work till about 10, 30, 11, you know, and maybe leave about five o'clock. So, I mean, before I work seven days, but but now that's enough for me, you know. I mean, I, 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 I do enough, and those, I'm, I'm more focused since I'm here. I think I, I think I accomplish a lot. I, I when I go home, I know I got something done. So that makes me feel good. I think that last point that you made is really about if you want to be an outstanding leader, you have to practice self care, uh, because if you unless you look after yourself, you can't look after anybody around you. And being in that leadership position, listening to people's problems, motivating people, impassioning people to follow follow the path of the organizations to do their very best. Uh, all of that takes energy. And if you're not looking after yourself, that energy can impact on us as leaders and, and cause us problems. And then we're no good to anybody else. So, Subash, listen, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. It really has. I've seen a golden leader in you today. Um, you know, I couldn't have written this any better. The way you run your organization, your philosophies around leadership, you are truly what they call a human-centered leader. I'm so pleased to have met you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you kindly, Cool. I don't deserve all that compliments you gave me, but I, I really who I am. I try <laughs> my best. You know, I'll continue doing that. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.